We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How we doing today? IB countdown to kickoff is up and rolling along with it's three of us today, along with Vince Bedario and Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers. How are you guys doing this morning? Got the game day whites on, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, because baby. Ever since I've been wearing the game day whites, Notre Dame's been undefeated. So I gotta stick with it because what I wear clearly matters to the outcome of the game. So let's go. I was going to say, Vince looks pretty milky in his his all-white <laughs> over there. Pretty good look. Uh, washes me out. It's, great. it's a It's a different kind of vibe today, going from number four Clemson at home, 7 p.m., to a new Navy game on the road oh, against you. the triple option. It's, it's a completely different beast, and that's, I think, going to be the biggest question for today, right? Like the consistency of yeah. do they come out and do what they're, they're supposed to? That's a big question to me, you know, the hangover factor, and we'll get to that over the course of this show, but you know, it's like, we're all, uh, you know, I guess Vince and I are used to doing this at 10 AM and and everyone who joins us live is used to doing this. I mean, we've got Brent out in California and whoever else is out there in, you know, in the West coast time zone there, you know, they're used to getting up really early, but the team pulled it off a couple of weeks ago against Syracuse. So I guess we'll see. Um, Want to make sure and say happy veterans day weekend. Of course, yesterday veterans day, and I guess, you know, turned out kind of fitting that Notre Dame and Navy, (laughs) This guy, happy Veterans Day, Sean. Well, you know, and I wanted to, I don't want to, you know, like, and thank you. I don't, I don't want to like start off on a, on a down note, but I did want to give a, you know, a shout to Fred Hickman uh, who passed away this week. And Fred Hickman was actually a big part of my military experience when I was in Germany because they had something called the Armed Forces Network. And it was basically, you know, it's like we had one channel. <laughs> and, you know, so they would rotate. Sometimes we'd get like some network stuff. We'd get network sports. But the place we got, you know, like our national sports, you know, if you were following college football, the NFL, the NBA, baseball, we didn't get ESPN over there on Armed Forces Network. We got CNN Sports and Fred Hickman, Nick Charles, Van Earl, right with the deep tones. I don't know if you remember any of those guys, Vince, but like that's what we got over there. So, those, and Hannah Storm was a part of that as well. So, that, you know, that was a big part of our uh, Armed Forces Network experience was getting that CNN sports feed. And, and Fred Hickman was a big part of that. So, rest in peace to Fred on this uh, Veterans Day weekend. I couldn't sleep last night and I was up watching the Bill McCartney 30 for 30 on ESPN. And of course I got sucked in 
watching it, and I had to go right up to the point where Colorado was playing Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl in 1990, and the bogus clipping call on the Rocket Ismail punt return for a touchdown that leads to, um, you know, Colorado National Championship. But man, Reggie Brooks out there saw him flying around in number 40, and of course Rocket and all those guys. So it was. That was something. I'm in, by the way, I didn't even mention, you know, I've got a little bit different backdrop. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri today because Notre Dame women's basketball is playing Cal in the first ever City Shamrock Classic here in St. Louis. And that game is going to tip off at four o'clock Eastern time. I'll, of course, have the call on the Notre Dame radio network, but it's going to be televised on NBC. First ever women's basketball game of any kind televised on NBC at four o'clock this afternoon. So hmm. when you're done with Notre Dame football, you can flip over. They're going to have that. This is sort of, you know, like the uh, women's basketball version of the Shamrock series. I don't know if they're oh, going nice. to make this a regular thing, but it's, you know, kind of along those lines. The City Shamrock Classic with Neil Ivy <clears throat> back here in St. Louis. This is her hometown, and she got to go back to her old high school yesterday and the team, and they did all kinds of stuff around that. And uh, this is where Notre Dame won its first national championship in 2001 when she was the starting point guard. Yeah. And this is the first time Notre Dame has been back here in St. Louis since then. So it's a pretty cool little event they're putting on today. You want to talk some football, though? Well, you got to answer this question first. Now, you won't hear me on NBC. It will be Zora Stevenson, who is the uh, sideline reporter during Notre Dame football games on NBC. Zora is going to have the call, and I believe it is LaChina Robinson who will uh, will be doing the uh, the color We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline analysis if you go to und.com go to the women's schedule page and like click on the the listen you can listen you know if you really want to you know listen to me <laughs> you know otherwise just watch it on nbc <laughs> thanks fitz no Vince is my fan <laughs> number one fan right well i guess i'll go number two behind jesse but i'll be number two i'm okay that's right all right mike says he'll be watching and uh <clears throat> listening so thanks to mike all right. There we go. See? How about some football? Notre Dame coming off that big win over Clemson 
last week. Vince, I'll start with you, then we'll go to Jesse. What's the biggest thing you guys learned in Notre Dame's win last week? That they can rise to the occasion and just absolutely dominate a team and on top of that, finish a game. We haven't seen Notre Dame finish a game in a really, really long time when they're in control. You know, a lot of times they just take their foot off the gas, run the ball, bleh, bleh, boring. And this time they actually <laughs> went for the jugular. And I think that says a lot about not only this team, but it says a lot about Marcus Freeman and who he is and how he sees this program moving forward. I, I want to root for a team that when they're the best team on the field, that they prove it all the way to the whistle. And I'm not saying you need to run up the score on anybody because there's a fine line between running up the score and proving you're the best team on the field. And Notre Dame was the best team on the field that night. And they dominated and they put the nail in the coffin at the end. They weren't just going to run out the clock and all that. They were like, look, we're the best team. Boom. Here's another touchdown just because. And I love that. And it's not running up the score. It's not unsportsmanlike. It is a team showing their dominance. And Notre Dame hasn't done that in the last like 10 to 15 years. So I love that. And I hope that continues. Yeah. So a lot of the things I learned were very similar to some of the things that Vince just said there. But the biggest thing that I learned uh, was Notre Dame has the ability or the capability to dominate teams on the ground if they need to. Um, and they don't need to throw the ball a lot. And that's that's fine because of you know what their offense is built around, the, the three-headed monster at running back that I like to call. Um, and, and yeah, so they can dominate on the run in the run game and they, they, they didn't need to throw the ball and they just completely took control and had a mentality and they executed exactly what they wanted to do. Um, and I think that they can execute their will like this going forward more and more. I don't think that there needs to be a huge pressure, um, on having this elite pass game. I just think the pass game needs to complement uh, uh, the rush game, you know, when it needs to. And I think that we should continue to see more of that. Tommy Reese, needed to hammer his run game until uh, until it gets stopped, essentially. And I think they have the ability to continuously run like this over and over. Yeah, I mean, combinations of what you guys said. And before I continue, I should remind you, please smash that like button if you would, if you're watching on YouTube. And of course, comment, rate, review, all that good kind of stuff. There was actually a comment on one of our YouTube videos the other day that I'll use in rapid fire next <clears> week. <throat> I thought it was interesting. It was worthy. So, um it's interesting because, you know, like I've sat here and I've, you know, been beating the drum about 21 personnel and two backs and all this stuff. They had great success the three or four times that they used it. Amazing. And I'm not going to get hung up on that. But, you know, we were kind of talking a few weeks back. It's like, where did all this go? Why aren't they doing some of these different things? And one of the things that Tommy Reese did in that against tendency. And, you know, that was a big part of why they were able to be successful in that game. So, you know, again, like I kind of took some crap, you know, like when, when you look at some of the comments that our, our, our videos get after the fact on mm -hmm. YouTube, it's like, oh, sure. Like he's really just not showing this stuff so he can save it for Clemson. Well, I don't know if he was completely saving it for Clemson, but again, he went against tendency. He did a lot of different things that he but didn't he hasn't do. done all year. No, that's exactly right. So, you know, like now we've got Dan Orlovsky out there, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, you know, pumping on Tommy Reese, and, and Dan is doing the game again today. So we learned that they can play bully ball for sure and that they could bully a really good defensive team. We learned that they could go for the kill shot, like I think you were talking about, 
bits. And I love that. Like I love because it wasn't even running up the score. It was no. just, it was just, we're going to finish this thing. We're going to keep our foot on the pedal. We're not going to downshift like BK used to do. We're going to keep going. You know, we're going to call this, this pass, you know, the head coach is going to call for that pass from the sideline when they didn't have to, they could have just, you know, again, kept kind of keeping that in first gear and grinded it down, grind out a few more yards, grind out a few more seconds off the clock and, and probably ultimately punch that thing into the end zone or otherwise just settle for a field goal that you really didn't need anyway. But they kept the foot on the gas from start to finish. And that's that's what I love. I, that's like if we're talking about a shift in mentality, that's a big shift in mentality. Yep, no now, doubt about it. I'll, I'll, I'll play the other side of it because truth hurts – said this. He said he learned Clemson had a bad day and a bad plan. He said he didn't learn anything on Notre Dame till they continue to show that play. And I mean, it is a fair point because, you know, they do have to show you. What is this team right now? It is still an inconsistent football team until we see true consistency when you go from a ranked team to an unranked team like they're going to see today. Go ahead, Jess. I know you want to say something to this. <laughs> yeah, it's this has to be, you know, it's all good and dandy. We've seen them beat the teams, the you know, the ranked teams, obviously not to the dominating fashion or as high caliber as Clemson. But that's the biggest question is how do they come off of these trap door games, essentially, knowing that, you know, this this you have Navy um, and Boston College and then USC's you know, obviously ramping back up to end your season. So that has to be, this is the biggest theme or question that's traveled throughout the entire season, I think is what frustrated most of us because you can make the case of Notre Dame plays like this the whole season. You know, this is a one loss team going into the, the last three games of their schedule. And we're talking about, you know, much more bigger picture things. And so it's frustrating to see, but at the same time, you're glad to kind of see that shift. Finally, that permanent shift. Um, and today has to kind of, you know, set the tone or set the trend if this is actually going to continue to go forward or if they're going to take a step back. You know, you just want to keep seeing them take step forward, step forward, step forward, and no more steps back. I think there's, especially at this point in the season, nine games in, there's really no more excuses for steps back after the the performance that you just had against Clemson. I think right. you really set the bar for yourself high now, and you have to continue to live up to the expectations. And I think that had to be kind of the challenging message this week is we need to continue uh, to live up to, you know, our expectations and goals for these last three games. 263 total rushing yards, 5.6 yards per carry, the most Clemson allowed in five years going back to when Lamar Jackson was the quarterback at Louisville still. And, of course, Estime goes for 104, digs 114. Chris Tyree, we saw more from him. You know, again, like when was Chris Tyree most successful? When they had two backs out there. I mean, yep. two big plays. And then they went away from that and they started kind of, you know, it's like, I get it. The game plan was to pound between the tackles. You do more of that with Estime and Diggs. But if you have two guys on the field and you've got to defend both the perimeter and inside with Tyree and another back out there, it makes a big difference. But, well, and yeah, it's going to be tough. Go yeah, ahead, gonna be, yeah, no, that's okay. No, it's going to be very t- – Chris Tyree right now is one of your best receivers. I mean, let's be honest. He's, he's probably your best slot receiver. He's your best, you yeah. know – prototypical slot receiver i should say he's small he's fast he can get in and out of his breaks he's got good hands he's good in space that's your prototypical slot receiver now Jaden thomas is a good slot receiver but he's different you got to use him different he's he's a bigger body he can do some different things he can still be effective in the slot but chris tyree is your best slot receiver right now you've got to use him 
whether he's coming out of the backfield, whether he's lining up in the slot or whatever, you need to use him in the passing game. You talk about, you know, we're obviously going to talk about Navy moving forward here, but Navy is one of the worst pass defenses in the country. One of the ways to exploit that is using Chris Tyree in the two back set. Yes. Period. It's not that complicated. Use this man. He can do some good things. You know, you're absolutely right. For one, he is more, especially with his size. Like when you think of what a slot receiver right. is, you know, like whether it's, you know, Hunter Renfro or, you know, Julian Edelman, those kind of guys, Wes Welker, they all tend to be smaller, undersized, you know, quick twitch, you know, kind of twitchy, quickie kind of guys who can get lost in space out there around the middle as well as, as downfield. But like when you think about, now we're still dealing with this year, but I was thinking about Jadarian Price earlier this year. It's like, Jadarian Price tore his Achilles, what, back in June? He's going to be back in the mix last year. And he was, we, I think we were talking about what the group looks like next year. Like <clears throat> the role it would seem like, because I don't think Chris Tyree is going to get drafted this year and he's still got another year. It would seem like the role for him, again, especially when you look at the state of the wide receiver room and you got another receiver yeah. leaving, that, that going forward, being a slot receiver is probably Chris Tyree's, like what he, can really provide for this team considering you have digs and estimate and then you're going to get price back again next year. Sure. And you can use, you, you can still list him as a running back. That's fine. I mean, that's semantics to be honest right. with you. It's like, but you can put him in motion. You can line him up in the slot, bring him back to the backfield, start him in the backfield, put him in the slot, you know, motion <clears throat> him all the way to the outside and burn a linebacker. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do with the talent that Chris Terry has. By the way, everybody, he's still the fastest guy on the team for now. <laughs> right. So use that speed, man. Like there are a ton of matchup nightmares that you could have with Chris Tyree against a safety or against a linebacker. Use that. They go cover zero and Chris Tyree's in the game. They're not going to cover him with a corner. They're going to yeah. cover him with a linebacker or a safety. Use that to your advantage, man. Total I, and mismatch. I know that it yeah. sounds simple, but that's. That's how you coach high school football, man. It, it, it's matchups. You find your best matchups, all right? That's what ask you Ask Bill Belichick. Everything is about right. the matchups. That's yes. exactly what it is. That's what football yeah. is. Just ask Brian. He talks about it all the time. Football right. is about matchups. You have a mismatch no matter what team you play when Chris Tyree is matched up against a linebacker or a safety. Right. So Reese yeah, Davis. I, oh, go ahead, Jess. No, I, I, I like a lot of the stuff that you guys are saying. I think that 21 personnel and having Tyree as the constant in the 21 personnel makes the most sense because you have a guy that's most, you know, your most complete kind of like slot back that can catch the ball in the backfield. And you have Estimate, who's the downhill runner, um, and same with uh, Diggs. And I, I just really think, especially, you know, when like Vince said, you create the one-on-one matchups, you get one-on-one matchups with linebackers. And I'd like to see them use those kind of wheel routes, perimeter routes with their running backs. We saw it a lot against USC a few years ago when they went two back sets. They threw a lot of screens out of the backfield. I think those are similar things that that should be you know anticipated or used in the last couple of games. Because I think that's when their offense is the best is when you have a power run game. And then you have these kind of, you know, you don't have to hit the home run balls. You can hit these kind of layups to Tyree out of the backfield, you know, short passes to Mayer in the flat out of the backfield. They don't have to be these home run shots, and that's nothing against Pine. That's just the dominance of their offensive line and running game and what it's able to set up off of it. And you, like I said, you don't, you can still get into your passing game without getting overly complex, and I just think that's their best option right now. See, and that's the thing, complex. I would think that they're going to try to keep it as basic as possible these next two weeks. 
and you know again save whatever surprises or you know yeah. whatever for USC and that's, at the end of the season. I mean, I hate to say, and I, you know, but I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're going to say, Vince. But that seems to be kind of what Tommy Reese is doing, I know. right? You, look. All we have to go off of is the facts that are in front of us, right? That's right. And and what we've seen is exactly that. And I again, and I and I I made this comment a few weeks ago about how Tommy Reese called, you know, when when they were doing well, it's like, well, Tommy Reese calls a better game for a guy like Drew Pine who was more like who he was than he did for Tyler Buckner, right? Yeah. And that seems ridiculous to say it out loud, but when the proof is right there in front of you, you know, that's all you have to go off of right now. There's been a few games where that obviously has not been the case since then. But at the same time, all we have is what's in front of us. And right now, it appears that he was saving his best play calling for the big games. And that's just nuts to me. I don't get that. Right. I think Reese Davis from Game Day, he said this not on actual Game Day itself, but on the Game Day podcast, quote, I don't think the way Notre Dame is built, running the ball and throwing to Mayer as good as he is, and as good as they are running, you're not doing that to Clemson. You're just not, end quote. And look, I'm not going to throw shade on Reese Davis because we all had that question. This was a legitimate sure. top five team. They were allowing less than 90 yards per game. I think we were all in the same boat. It was a big question that we had. And what happened? They just come out and gouge them. But again, they went against the tendencies that they had shown most of the year. And then, uh, you know, that's kind of how they were going to, you know, that's that's how they were able to do it. Now, you mentioned Drew Pine, Vince, just 9 of 17 for 85 yards. Yeah. Who would have thought that Notre Dame could beat Clemson if Drew Pine was going to have a line like that? 9 of 17, 85 yards, just one touchdown. Raise your hand if you had thought that, you know, Notre Dame could have a quarterback <laughs> that kind of day and beat the number four team in the country. I don't see any hands up here in the video. Yeah, you're not getting a hand from me. No, yeah, me so. I guess class, you know, the question is, is this run heavy game plan sustainable for the Irish the rest of the season? Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I do think it is sustainable to a certain point. And I think that you can, you can, the, the, the main majority of your offense needs to be, to revolve around this run game. Yes. I think that, but I don't think that you're going to have that success week in and week out like you did against Clemson continuously going forward and sure I think that they should try it like I, I remember I, I we were talking a few weeks and I just would get frustrated at Tommy Reese because it felt <laughs> like he'd hand the ball off hand the ball off hand the ball off and then all of a sudden they'd get a first down and instead of you know maybe pick going another handoff it, you couldn't get uncomfortable and just handing the ball off again and again if it was going to work like if you're going to get three to four yards every time and what this offense is built to do I'm okay with them setting up shop third and second third and three every time it's a little bit like, you know, the, the way this offense functions, it's a little bit like an option offense, just in, in like, you probably, like, the, the odds say you probably don't want to be throwing on first down, considering right. the performance of the quarterback and the sure. receivers and everything else right now. You want to, you know, and if, you're, if you are going to throw on first down, it, it I was going to use an expletive, but, you know, it like, it needs to be with the play action pass, like a, a good show of play action, considering you are so run heavy that's what it needs to be off of but you know because the times that we have seen them try to throw on first down it has been less successful and it gets them off schedule they want to stay on schedule as much as possible just like again like what a an option offense would do yeah so i i just don't want them sorry vince to, to get into the pass when they don't need to i think you yeah. can continuously run the ball 
until a team shows that they're going to consistently stop you. And then you start going to play action. But there should be no like early in the game. There shouldn't be a lot of dedicated drop back passes. There shouldn't be straight three step drop. Fine. It should be we're going to run the ball. And if you're going to stop us, then we'll kind of maybe shift into some more play action or, you know, what that might look like. I don't know. But I just think that they need to establish the run and get stopped in the run game first before they they downshift to any, you know, any other things. I'm not saying run the ball 100 straight times, but obviously majority of it run it and then, you know, run your play action off of that until you're kind of stopped to a point. Yeah. Vincenzo? Yeah, well, I was just going to say that if we're looking at the realistic, you know, the last three games of the season, can you sustain a running game against these defenses? Yeah, you can. I mean, that it is that best for the growth of this team and of this program? Maybe not. But you can still be successful and win these games running the crap out of the football because I don't think any of these three defenses are all that great. And you're going to have success running the football. And I don't care that Navy averages 88 yards a game (laughs) against the run because nobody tries to run the ball because they don't have to. Because all they're doing is throwing the ball and they're having major success, right? So that has to be taken into account. But you're going to be able to run the ball against anybody Again, they have to be two-dimensional. You can't just be a run game team. You're going to have to do play action. You're going to have to get the running backs involved. You're going to have to do all of these different things. But for the rest of the 22 season, you can run the ball and still win all three games. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Right. Irish Blooded says, going to disagree some this week against this bad of a defense. I don't want to see as many third downs. I expect more early down conversions what do you think about that Vince I you know what I when you guys were talking about when to run the ball and when to pass the ball and everything with this team the way this team is constructed I'm running the ball on first down because I'm most likely right. going to have second and short that's yeah. when I'm throwing the ball because yeah, should I'll be, be able, able to get five yards down. most of the time or yes. at least four with this running game you know again against these defenses and that sets you up okay you can take a shot if you need to and then you know if if freaking Audric Estime is out there <laughs> You know, most of the time it's it's a high percentage play on third and five or third and four just to hand it to him and let him bulldoze through everybody and see what he can do. I mean, look at the look at what we saw him do yeah. last week in some of those situations. Exactly. I you're gonna have a lot of second and shorts, second and manageables, things of that nature where you can throw the ball on play action. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's that's my throwing down coming into this game and maybe maybe moving forward because you're right, you don't really necessarily want this offense in second and ten right? If you can't convert that play action on first down, but I'll take third and three all day long because I think Notre Dame can pick that up for the most part. So yeah, I, I, this is still going to be a run first team and a play action and all of that. You can take your shots. I trust Drew Pine to take shots. I have no problem with that, but I want singular reads. You know, I want reads. I want, you know, one, two throw, you know, one, one read, two read throw, or right. scramble, or whatever, or check down. One, two, check down. How about that, right? Because running backs have been open on the check down all season, and he's not getting it to them. So yep. I don't want anything complicated in the pass game because I don't want Drew Pine thinking too much. I just want him going out there and playing. When he goes out there and just plays, he's fine. Milton fan 15 super sticker. Thank you for the super chat there. I know and... it was because of me, so we'll just throw <laughs> that out there. From uh, Jen's family, XO from the USS Iwo Jima, 1980s Captain Jones. You take men and make try to make them boys. Notre Dame will destroy you. Okay. All right. Not sure exactly what all that means, but it's okay. Again, it's Veterans Day weekend and we're playing Navy. So absolutely. What about the defense? 
held Clemson to 281 yards. DJ Uyangalale, 27 of 39 for 191. Touchdown interception, sacked four times. Cade Klubnik, of course, his only pass attempt was an interception by Benjamin Morrison. Just 90 yards rushing. Jess, I'll start with you and then over to Vince. What impressed you most about the defense? Uh, what impressed me the most about the defense was on a much because we could get into you know what they did to shut down different aspects of the game, but at a more broader global level, they just had a relentless attitude that they weren't going to be stopped, and it showed you know the entire game because of how their corners and, and rovers were getting off blocks and making tackles. They were making tackles, gang tackles. You know, you, every tackle was a guy was standing him up, and three, four, five other guys were coming uh, to to help out. So. The thing that most impressed me about the defense was just that relentless attitude of they weren't going to be stopped and they were going to do everything possible, you know, to shut down Clemson. They knew that they needed to limit Clemson based on where their offense, uh, it, you know, was at. It's not like Notre Dame's offense is built to score, you know, 35, 42 points. And now they did, but they got a lot of help because of special teams and defense, right? Their offense isn't built against an op opponent like Clemson to run the score up. And so the defense took on the challenge of we need to shut them down. And it was a mindset. It was a mentality. You saw that the way that they played, they took very good pride, you know, in playing defense as a unit. And they shut everything down. They shut down the inside run. They shut down the screens on the perimeter. And then DJ couldn't go with any, you know, the ball downfield at all either. So they shut down everything that Clemson wanted to do. And I think it was just mainly a mindset. Those guys weren't going to be stopped. They were determined. And I, I, I just love to see it, seeing them fly around with so much, you know, passion to, to play together. Well, for me, I, since Jesse kind of went the route that I was going to go, I will go <laughs> the coaching route, and I will say that I was very impressed with Al Golden's uh, <clears throat> game plan because they forced Clemson to go to the outside passes uh, in their yeah. RPO game. I mean, they forced it, and that's a game plan situation. Yes, the players have to execute that game plan, but they forced them to go outside, which is what Clemson wanted to do because when you watch film of Notre Dame, they're not good at tackling in space, Right. And so they forced it outside. There was an emphasis on tackling in space. There was an emphasis on gang tackling, flying to the football, everything that Jesse just said. And it played right into the hands of the game plan yeah. for both Notre Dame and Clemson. Because that's what Clemson wanted to do. Yeah. So Notre Dame's Notre like, Dame, go ahead. Notre Dame, Notre Dame just took trapped Dordham right yes. into it. <laughs> they trapped Dordham. That's a great comment, Jesse. That's exactly what they did. So I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff on the game plan. They played right into what Clemson wanted to do, and they shut it down. That right. is impressive to me. I they mean, made that, Clemson awesome. think that, oh, yeah, we're doing exactly what we want. Yeah. And then yeah. it was like, no, that's exactly what we want you to do. So thank yes. you. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason that Clemson kept going outside to that bubble screen every single time. Because they're like, they yeah. can't keep tackling us in space. And they did. I mean, it was, it was, it was just a It was important plan. just for the first guy to get there and, yes. you know, at least hold him up. Know, make that and let the other guys rally to the football and that's we just kept seeing that all night long obviously right. and as bill said bertrand was great you know we talked about it during the Absolutely. week probably the best game of jd bertrand's career a guy who's been criticized a bit and i'm curious to see how it continues here down the stretch like and i think jesse i heard you bring this up during the week maybe with with either brian or, or vince I, I can't remember since i was off a couple of shows just the fact that this guy has been here long enough that he's had three different defensive coordinators now. And this yeah. team that he is playing in is probably more complex than the first two. So are we seeing a guy maybe who's finally more comfortable 
in this defense, especially as the middle linebacker who has to know so much and know where everybody else is supposed to be. Like, you know, so so how does that continue for him? Are we, are we going to continue to see an elevation of J.D. Bertrand's play here down the stretch? Because we know he's a smart guy and, and you know, he's a great leader in all those different things, but we need to see continued play on the field. Well, depending on how they want to play this triple option. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, today is a completely different story. But, yeah. well, but at the same time, this is a this is a, an offense that the middle linebacker feasts off of. Just ask right. just ask stat stuffing Jesse from high school. Okay, <laughs> like this is where Ryan asked me what's feast. the best part about playing triple option besides the stats, and I was like, that is the best. Like, there's no <laughs> other reward than racking up like a twenty piece on the stat sheet because you're just getting railed the entire game. Like that is literally the only advantage to that game is you walk out there with some bruises. The ladies think you're tough, and you got like a twenty piece on the stat sheet. <laughs> and I mean, it's a perfect opportunity it. for JD Bertrand to, to stuff the stats, man. Yeah, that's. I mean, like, and it's funny that the team that he used to do that against is the team that that I do the games for now, Mishawaka High School, where of course scout team member Justin Fisher played. And and back when I was first doing that, Keith Kinder, the head coach at Mishawaka, and I used to uh, have conversations about old former number twenty five for uh, for for. <laughs> Adams and you know about those days that uh, he used to frustrate Mishawaka you know in that offense trying to move the football you guys made it tough for him you know those were those were the days yeah for Adams, getting... for Adams football the good old days <laughs> <laughs> you know we'll be able to get into it a little bit later but that's yeah. to me the most important aspect is stopping the fullback dive right. and your middle linebacker is going to be the guy up. who's going to yeah. stop the fullback dive and everything else kind of revolves off of that the success of the fullback dive and, and the option offense. And I thought you have a good point with Bertrand is it, it is his third year at the offense. And, you know, there is a lot of similarities, but there's also, you know, the contrast and, and just the kind of small intricacies that different defensive coordinators have, like not every defensive coordinator is the same, obviously, and there's going to be different schemes um, and different things they're trying to accomplish. And I think it's kind of, I'm not giving Bertrand excuses, but it is hard to be a part of a new defense you know, every year, that's how you obviously get better as a player is you continuously, you know, you're practicing the same things over and over when those things are kind of continuously changing um, a little bit here and there. It, it is a little tougher. And I think the biggest thing and I think why he'll have a lot of success again today is just letting these guys play. It seemed like against Clemson, it was just, you know, play, get downhill fast. And as long as you're getting downhill fast, you know, we're OK if you're going to air, you know, obviously you're not coaching air, but if you're playing fast, you're more, uh, you know, acceptable or you accept errors that kind of come with playing fast and physical. And today is a perfect game where he's just going to probably be in, in, in control of the A gap mostly. Um, and you could you can plug that fast. You can get downhill fast. There's not a lot of thinking. As soon as you see the fullback, that's kind of like your main design. So I think he's going to have another great game and, and stopping the fullback dive. And then just being another guy that helps, you know, rally to the to the to the pile um, and just make kind of team tackles all game long. Yes. So um, as far as today, and I'm starting to see some. Um, I know the answer to this, but I'm trying to get. On the, okay, I can say why if you if you're ready. <laughs> I had to get permission. I want to make sure. Yeah, I that's what I, I was too. And okay. so go ahead. Go <laughs> yeah, ahead. Yeah. So Tobias is out with a con he's in concussion protocol. Right. So okay. Uh, so he can't play today. I, it's nothing. It's just concussion protocol. It's nothing serious. It's, it is what it is. So he, yes. he's out for today. All right. 
And then yep. I think uh, so. You know, I'm getting Brandon the text from Brian. Out. I'm just yeah. yeah. So like, and Brandon yes, Joseph is out because of his nagging injury, and right. this is a fine game to have him sit out. I, yeah, I mean, we talked about this this week. Brandon Joseph out. He's got an ankle. We right. saw him. He he injured the ankle against uh, Clemson last week, and he stayed in, returned some punts, but didn't play safety. Right. So Matt Salerno, the old former Mister Fair Catch, will be back there on punt returns. I'll be interested to see if Matt tries to to return one today you know right. he's been out this there obviously more on offense this year but well, yeah i mean and and look he was fair catching because he was told to fair catch right yeah i mean <laughs> let, let's be that, that wasn't him going out there and be like i'm gonna fair catch all day like that's what he was told to do no and to, yeah i mean that that that's a great point because like even brian mason has said well the first the first priority of the punt return man is to secure the Absolutely. football if you can return it return it but under the old regime it was the only priority of the punt return man to right. it was to secure the football. There was no other priority. That and it's, it. it's a different mentality now with Brian Mason. I mean, as obviously, yeah. you know, we see with the block punts, you know, like I was saying the other day, it's like all we heard about for 12 years was, well, you can't block punts these days because of the rugby style kicks and the different, yeah. for, you know, the spread out yeah. formation and blah, blah, blah. Well, six block punts later with three games to go, you know, four with a bowl game. It's like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think I, so. I think the biggest shift is you can – it's it's just a mentality and who their special teams coordinator is right now. Notre Dame's special teams coordinator is in the mindset of let's make game-changing plays with our special teams unit. Um, how can we affect the game? You know, can, can we advance the ball at least five, ten yards on the punt? Can we get after the punt block? And it's, it feels like the old mentality was let's not mis make mistakes Correct. on special right. teams. Let's not let special teams, you know, hurt us anyway. Let's not get a roughing the punter, you know, put us in the in the potential possibility. It was just some way more conservative outlook. Um, and, and, you know, they, the muff punts, they just didn't want to do anything to give the other team, no I think, an extra possession. And, you know, I, I just don't necessarily agree with it because – the, the special teams is the third phase of the game, and you should be able to take advantage of it and make big plays. And that's what we've seen this year. These these plays have helped define and get Notre Dame yep. propelled, and I think it's a big – it needs more recognition uh, for what they've been able to do in the special teams this year. I think it's definitely, you know, picked up some of the slack and maybe some of their different, you know, off obviously offensively and help out the defense as well. In 2016, special teams was a liability, as we saw, you know, like with – you know when they, with, they, they didn't know how to recover an onside kick and, you know, just all these basic things that weren't going on. And they made that move to Brian Polian after that. So while special teams didn't necessarily become a strong asset, it was at least break even. That was their goal. Just be break even. Don't get hurt. And, 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 you know, don't, don't have it be a liability, but there's obviously been a completely different shift in that mentality. And I think everyone yeah. loves yeah. it, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So let me let me ask you. So after the win over Clemson, Notre Dame's now four and one against ranked teams. They're still two and two against unranked teams. This will be their third time playing an unranked team right after playing a ranked team. They're zero and two in those first two games. So are you concerned about a possible hangover after what is the biggest win of the Marcus Freeman era last week? I am not concerned about a hangover because I feel like Marcus Freeman has evolved as a head coach. I don't think he's going to allow that to happen at this point. I'm not saying that he went into, you know, allowing the letdown to happen before, 
but he has now experienced the letdown, right? And I feel like we have enough empirical evidence of Marcus Freeman to know that he learns from his mistakes, okay? He learns from his experiences. He's experienced that. I don't see it happening again. I, I just, I can't see a world in which Notre Dame loses to another unranked team in the fashion that they did the last two times. I just, I just don't. I have a lot of faith in Marcus Freeman that he is very reflective and he looks at things that didn't work and he fixes those things. And he has done that throughout the season. So I just don't see that being the case today. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Vince just knocking on like, you know, all the wood around me. I'm not trying to jinx anything <laughs> here, but I just don't see that. I, 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 I don't Navy. First of all, Navy, in my opinion, doesn't present a, a, a situation quite like what, you know, what Stanford might have been um, and, and those kind of situations. And a, a main thing I'm going to agree with Vince is I think Freeman is very self-aware and he takes, you know, he talks about how he watches film immediately after the game. Like the man is constantly thinking about how he can evolve as a coach and not making the same mistakes over again. And a lot of times it's, you know, we as coaches need to put our players in better situations. And that is a maturity of a head coach. And I think that, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing I think is, I, I don't think this is more so a kind of, you know, Notre Dame evolution. This has been more of a Marcus Freeman evolution of getting into you know what it means to be a head coach how he can be you know what he talks about how being there in the best you know moment for his team what you know being that's constantly changing of what he needs to be for his team at certain times and I just think we've seen kind of the struggles of getting to this point and the evolution of kind of Marcus Freeman as a head coach and we've seen him constantly tweaking this formula yeah. for success that's yeah. all it's kind of been is this he, he he's tweaking what he thinks is, you know, Notre Dame's uh, equation to success, and he's constantly tweaking, constantly tweaking it. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think we're going to see a lot of those same mistakes because he's past that. He's not going to allow, you know, those same mistakes to happen in the equation. So I, I really think we're going to see, a, a, again, another dominant performance today. I think the triple option provides its challenges, but I think we're going to see um, a very, very similar performance to, to what we saw last week. I think there's going to be a lot of relentless, you know, throat on the neck until, until you know, later in the game. As Sean Palace says, the only hangover was already spooked for the Shamrock series. Good one. They should call you Carlos, Sean. <laughs> Everyone seems to be the noticing the fourth member of the show, and that's uh, my dog, Henry. <laughs> Is he back there? He's, he's yeah. chilling on top of the couch right in now. In the window. I've seen like three or four people in the chat. His name's Henry, everyone. He's, uh, <laughs> he's a staple on the Tuesday and Thursday night. That's right. He's going right. to see like the mailman or another dog here soon. So. <laughs> You'll hear him bark. Just be ready. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Navy. Ken Niamatololo, already in his 15th year, it's like we're just getting older, I think, because Ken Niamatololo has been around for 15 years right now. And I just like the fact that I can say his name right at this point. It's only I know, taken right? 15 years to get to this point. But he had winning records in nine of his first 10 seasons, but the mids are now in the midst of what could be their fourth losing season in the last five years. And it's, you know, Bill Wagner is a guy who I've talked to a lot over the years who, who covers Navy. Unfortunately, we weren't able to connect, you know, to do the opposing beat writer interview with him. But Ken Meet Niamatololo has been, you know, pretty stable in his job there. I will be curious to see how long that continues, you know, considering they are on a downward slide. It was 
you know, obviously around that time when Navy started beating Notre Dame, that you know, they they had a, a long stretch of of winning seasons that they were pulling off between Paul Johnson and then Niamatololo. But um, this will be the 96th all-time meeting between these two. And of course, they played every year from 1927 through 2019. It was only the pandemic in 2020 that put a halt to what was the longest-running, uninterrupted, intersectional rivalry in the nation. But they are ninth in the nation at nearly 237 yards rushing per game with that triple option offense. The fullback, Daba Fofana, leads mm-hmm. the mids with 565 yards, just 3.9 per carry. I say just, but you know, as Jesse would say, that's a success because in that triple option, if you're popping off almost four yards per carry, that's first down in three plays is, is what it is. But, you know, their, their offense by their standards, I mean, let's be honest, they've got a three and six record coming into the season. One of their slot backs, Mikel Haywood, is their second leading rusher at 417 per game. Um, they obviously don't pass a lot, but what's interesting, of course, about this offense is they uh, their receivers, all of their receivers, average at least 15 yards per catch because they'll catch you off guard when they throw it from time to time. Like Vincent Terrell, eight catches, 206 yards at 25.7 per catch. So, you know, that's it's it's important for Notre Dame's defensive backs not to get caught kind of peeking into the backfield against this. Jesse has played against the the option offense. Vince and I have seen it with Mishawaka, you know, as we have watched it broadcasting. And of course, Vince has coached against it as well back in his time. So um well, and our buddy, our buddy Frank Amato ran triple. He just ran it out of eye formation. That's not right. The, not that's the wing right. look. So it's the same. Same exact principles, uh, and so I've coached it too. And frankly, at the high school level, I absolutely love it. I'm just going to say it. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great equalizer. Happy, but yeah. it is an equalizer, and I I love it. You got to be a smart football player, and specifically the linemen. The linemen are the smartest football players on the field offensively to run the triple option. Yes, Steyer, Steyer, Dario, and Henry Law Firm. <laughs> <laughs> Henry. With the back seat. So Jesse, you know, again, he played against it quite a bit in high school against that Mishawaka option offense. Do you have your whiteboard ready, Jesse, just to kind of give us a, a general overview of what we expect the assignments to look like potentially for Notre Dame today as they try to attack this triple option offense? Yeah, you never, I have a, yeah, just a very kind of high level schematic of showing where things would be, but I just think that, uh, you know, there's different ways you can approach it. I don't know how Al Golden's going to approach it. There's more of like the downhill. We're just going to get there ASAP. And there's more of like a slow flow kind of reading type aspect. I guess I'm going to go into what I would favor and how I would think Notre Dame would line up best against the triple option today or just basic kind of assignments. So, yeah, and this is going to be really good. And I'm really looking forward to this. I'm just going to sit back and watch, but I will also (laughs) say, at the D1 level, and when you're playing against a team like Navy, who is just so expert in running the triple option, you have to throw multiple defensive looks at the triple option. You can't just right. go with one look because they're going to figure it out and they're going to they have a counter to it, right? So right. this is this is probably what I would do as well. I think it was where Jesse's going to go, uh, but this would be my base as well. All right, so we'll throw this up here in the old stream, and I'll, I'll blow it up. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. 
Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Professor Jesse. Yeah, so, you know, Navy is going to mainly come out in what's considered a flex bone kind of offense. That's, you know, and this is what Brian and I got into. We talked a lot of triple option on Thursday. There are so many different offenses that you could call triple option just because that there's three options. Like an RPO game, in my opinion, is still considered a triple option. Uh, you know, taking shotgun out of or, or quarterback out of shotgun and you have you can run speed option out of that to that, you know, to the perimeter. So there's there's multiple different things that you can call kind of triple option. But there's a difference between triple option full like you're committed to the triple option offense. And that's more so what Navy does. They come out in the flex bone, uh, meaning that they flex out, you know, these super backs or slot backs over here. Um, and then you have your quarterback under center and your fullback, you know, three, four, four to five yards behind him in a three point stance. Um, and this is what if I were Notre Dame, what I would most likely like to see some sort of, you know, uh, general idea around is four down linemen, four linebackers and then a three. So if you want to call it a four, four, three, a four, two, five, you know, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. But I, as long as they have four down linemen and four you know, linebackers across the board as well, I think that's going to have the most success. Um, against we talked a little bit earlier, or I said a little bit earlier, the fullback dive um, is really the the biggest concern, or you have to shut it down. And because if there's fullback dive, that just makes these guys just you know kind of cheat in this way a little bit more. Obviously, everyone's kind of first step is here, here, and so when the fullback dive is working, it just sucks everything up. It gives you a better chance um, on the perimeter. So the first thing to take away the fullback dive is these guys, these four guys have to be responsible for fullback dive. And, and really, it's just they're plugging up the, the A's and B gap at any variation. Like these guys can stunt, meaning the defensive lineman could go A, this guy could work B off of him. You know, this guy could straight fire B, this guy could straight fire A. Whatever that combination is, these four guys have to handle the inside run um, and the fullback dive. And then after that, you know, once, once you've ever either given the ball or faked it now we're, we're you know we're working some sort of option this guy is coming maybe this way on a pitch you know speed option pitch to the outside maybe this guy's coming this way and they're trying to work up here or here but once you get to that point the defensive end and your linebackers are now responsible for quarterback um and pitch you know whatever side it's going to be and i like the defensive end hitting the quarterback every play like if if the quarterback wants to keep it and he wants to go into pitch phase this guy needs to remind him every time why he shouldn't be doing that. Those are free hits on your quarterback. You can get him into the ground. There's no like there's no rules. There's no roughing the passer. There's no anything. These defensive ends should be literally trying to murder the quarterback every play. Um, and then I want these linebackers to take the pitch man off of that. And then obviously your corners are kind of going to help in there too, right? Like this guy's job is to funnel everything to the outside. This guy's job is to funnel everything to the inside. And so you're both kind of making the tackle, you know, here. And this guy is using sideline as leverage um, if he needs to. You just can't get beat to the outside. You're trying to force everything um, back to the inside. And then your safety kind of becomes, in my opinion, the, and when you're running the triple option, the safety kind of becomes your cleanup man. Like 
he's kind of playing center field. He's watching, you know, making making sure he's like your overhand guy. He's going to come down either way um, and clean things up in the alley. So I just think that this is the best overall, you know, what they do off of this, that you can do so many things, but the basics of your four inside guys handle the fullback dive, your defensive end and outside linebacker handling quarterback pitch man. And if it gets to pitch man, your corner and safety are kind of the cleanup, you know, on depending on what side the option comes to. Do you guys, you know, again, there's not going to be any Brandon Joseph today. Ramon Henderson has been good close to the line of scrimmage. I think Xavier Watts, as I just saw, yeah, Brent was commenting about him. I think that 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 he's good. You know, like it's it's typically like, you know, like Bo Bauer has been one of those guys. There's always there's always a linebacker when the Navy game comes up who isn't necessarily like their big gun uh, on a regular basis. But when Navy comes to town, there's there's that middle linebacker type guy who becomes, you know, like the Navy guy. And Bo Bauer was that. He's gone now. But do you think we see more of these safety type guys as well, especially defending the perimeter against, you know, what Navy calls the slot backs? Like at Mishawaka, they call their wings just halfbacks. Do you think that that we see more safety type guys and fewer linebackers against them today. No, I, I I like more of the the big, not big, but more of the linebacker you know aspect of it because the the run game like this, it's a very physical uh, run game, and I get it. You know, you have you have strong safeties and free safety, so obviously your strong safety is going to be more of the guy who's filling the alley in the run game. Um, and so you know, I think that if you're going to go with safety, it, it's got to be one of your bulkier kind of safety guys you're not putting a safety obviously out there that's you know better in, in coverage because there's no reason for coverage so if you're going to go the safety route it's got to be someone who's beefed up a little bit and you know is a good tackler in space aka like if they had Kyle Hamilton back again like he's the perfect safety to play the trip like the triple option I don't know if you guys remember but there was a play I think against Navy either last year or two years ago on the fourth down play and he comes down and absolutely fills the hole and gets a tackle for loss you know, on, on the fourth down play. So it's hard unless you have a safety of that kind of caliber. And I think you have a better chance of success uh, with, with going more of kind of a, a linebacker type guy. Vince, what do you think? No, I agree. And I think you can mix it up. I think there's a lot of different things that you can do. And I think that's going to be part of the fun of the whole thing is yes, you do generally have somebody who hasn't really contributed, who is just really good at triple, right? They're just really good at their assignment and they're really good at tackling in space. And, the, and you know, from a physicality standpoint, you know, you get a guy like DJ Brown, and I know that's going to strike fear into the hearts of many because he hasn't been good at tackling in space. There's not a lot of in-space tackling if you're playing inside right. the box. And so you can come downhill and you can just hit people over and over again, and you're going to get a lot of – you're going to have success, right? And so you're going to see different guys. You're going to see linebacker types. Like I think Jack Kaiser is going to be – a, a very beneficial guy to have in this defense because he's played against triple at the one a level because you and I have done a lot of co or high school football before and at the one a level they're not exactly slinging it around usually it's a lot of option it's a lot of eye formation it's a lot of old school because you don't have a ton of athletes at that one a small school level he's going to be really good in this defense no doubt about it right you bring DJ Brown into the box you could bring Xavier Watts down in the box there's a lot of different things that you can do to make yourself successful and that's part of the fun for me of watching whatever defense Notre Dame comes up with to play against the triple option is you get to see some some guys playing in some different spots or having some success that they haven't had yet. It, there's a really good question in here. 
Jess, that I, I want you to answer. And it says, does Navy favor, this is Spark. He says, does Navy favor which side they run to, left or right? And you can, I know you're setting up a different formation here, but the original <laughs> formation is a balanced formation. So I'll let you, I'll let you go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So if just, you're just the- before you get started, Jess, you're going to have time to diagram maybe <laughs> one more thing because remember we have to wrap up early today because ah. it's a noon game and we got to get to rapid fire here in a couple. Oh, months. we could do this so. all day. All right. Give us your best stuff. <laughs> yeah. So what Vince was saying, largely depending on where you're running the play field side or boundary just depends on what Navy is trying to accomplish. Because if you're running into the boundary, that's saying we're going to take our numbers. It's a numbers game. You're going to have right. maybe 10 hats on nine into the boundary and you're just assuming that like kind of like the law of mass that you know with through your blocking that our mass is going to move your mass because we have more people and so it's and then you're going to run to the boundary if you're more of like a speed option you know your option is more uh of a threat in the option offense so navy it's hard because they they actually don't run a whole lot of committed triple option and that's kind of what i was getting into uh, a little bit here is you know, I've seen them kind of go with this over overload look before, and they're just kind of running, you know, straight veer off the tackle. A lot of just kind of power runs uh, right off, you know, the tackle trying to hit here. And I think the biggest thing Notre Dame has to be concerned with today and kind of wrapping up here is this. The option offense is so much eye candy because they're going to show you a lot of repetitive movement, you know, in these areas, whether it be fullback dive, veer off the tackle. And so you think you, you have it as a linebacker what's coming and then all of a sudden, you know, everyone blocks down, everyone blocks down, everyone blocks down. Quarterback still opens this way. And, and the, the running back can hardline kind of take it a veer, a counter veer. And these guys are po- coming down, coming down, coming down. And this left guard, he's not even really pulling. He's just waiting a half a step and he's going to kick out this way. And so they have to be conscious of the counters and the eye candy because it looks like the same play over and over and over again, and they're going to leak a counter, you know, back the other way. And that's got to be the number one thing that Notre Dame is looking for today is, you know, not getting caught up in in their eyes a lot of time. Follow, you know, the guards, follow, you know, trust your eyes, but at the same time, don't get caught um, with the counter. And I think the last thing I want to pose to both of you is where do you think Prince Kali would best line up? Brian and I had a good conversation today. He thought, Mm. you know, because of, he thought he would be better in the inside, maybe at this spot, because of this reason. It's good to have a good backside player who can get downhill fast and blow things up, right? But I like him on the outside because I think he's better in space, and you could stick with more of like a Bertrand and Kaiser in the middle. So, like on I, the weak side, base, like you're going to line him up on the weak side all the time to 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 try to counter what you were just talking about, counter the counters. Exactly. You have kind of a counter man who's good in space and can, you know, make up for recovery if you get burned on the counter a little bit. He's And if the play is definitely going this way, he can get downhill fast. Like he can blow up the play fast at the same time. So we were having, you know, on the perimeter, obviously, if Navy's going more of like the option to the perimeter, that that aspect makes sense. But for the counters and being able to, you know, be that backside guy, I think he makes a lot of sense. And you might see him and Bertrand holding down the middle today. I really yeah. like Maris on the outside, though, too. I think Maris is going to have a great game playing out here as one of the edge linebackers. All right, so that's the first thing I'm going to disagree with you on that one, Jess. I think Maris needs to sit the bench the entire game mm, because he is terrible in assignment football. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Would, but I would not have him anywhere near the football field because I think he can make mistakes that could turn into a big play. Yeah, his his best thing is just 
go. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I just uh, now, I mean, you might be able to sub him in once, and I just don't think he can be a guy that you're counting on. My four linebackers would be Kaiser, Kali, Tuialamaka, and Bertrand. Those are my Ooh. four because I think that they can play that box and play it really, 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 really well. I put, I would put uh, Bertrand and Tuialamaka in the inside, and I would have Kaiser and Kali on the outside. Okay. I think that makes sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'll be I'll be curious to see. I'll be but curious to see who it is. Games. Because again, th- this game specifically, there's always going to be one of those linebackers who finds himself out of the rotation right. just because it's assignment football, and you got to have a guy you can trust with the assignments. So I'll be yes. curious to see what that ends up looking like today. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. That's why I said I, that's why I like this game a lot. You just see guys kind of stepping up and doing some different things. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.